What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Recorded live. All right. Did you hear that? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. Whenever talks you ever gets a hold of me after three emails still haven't got a hold of me, I am going to be able to do this here, and hopefully with the two monitors and everything else should be able to with the speakers should be able. To, I'm hoping. I hope I don't have to get software, but I might have to get software for that too, but I don't know, we'll see. As far as adding audio and all that kind of stuff, but at least I should be able to do it somehow, some way. Anyway, Psalms 91, Psalm 91. Uh, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge. He is my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. He, through, he, his, me, his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noontime, noonday. A thousand shall fall at thine side, and ten thousand at thine right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tear upon the lion and the adder. 
excuse me, those who tread upon the lion and the adder. That a young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample underfoot, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, and I will be with him in trouble, and I will deliver him and honor him. For excuse me, with long life will I sanctify him and show him my salvation. Psalm 91. And guess what? This is episode 3 of Just Two Broken Vessels with Ethan Lee. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah. I, we were talking a little bit earlier, but I, of course, my head was in 20 different directions, and I had to go see my mom. She's been sick, and it's Make sure she gets some food. She said she was good enough today to get herself in bed and uh, use a toilet, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, amen. That's good. So, uh, so anyways, yeah, I don't know. So, a friend of mine, Andy, he sent me this video, the powerful song of the so far, Heavenly Call. I was going to play the whole thing, but after, yeah, we'll play a good 40 seconds of it so believe it or not <laughs> so anyways um it's, uh you can andy is you this is like absolutely tragic right now on this beginning but oh i'm trying my best uh nothing wrong with that we're, just, we're, we're just talking we're two broken vessels talking I know, and I'm, and I'm proving that I am for sure. <laughs> Anyways, Ethan's uh, uh, website is findingpeacewithjesus.org. He also has a YouTube channel, and um, he just did himself, uh, just made a new video that should be up this evening, right? Yeah, it's, it's on 3% now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I ended know. up doing this, and this is from my website and this is one of the testimonies from my webpage um, the page is called Finding Love Love Finding a Biblical Church um, it, it, it's a whole story about my first church and you know me just starting out as, as being saved and understanding what it means and but of course what I needed first of all and I got there was love and that's, that's the basic of the whole thing because like I told you earlier, and like it says on the page, um, I I pretty much walked into a room full of grandparents that they wanted to love on me, and it was it was terrific because it was really what I needed at the time, and especially with with God in the middle, it's completely different love. So it's it was it's really good. So I was able to do that, and God took a hold of me during the message, and you know I thought I was going to talk a half an hour, and it ended up. I guess altogether the message might be an hour and a half. Um, what I ended up putting at the end of it is uh, obviously today is Ishtar, I mean Easter, and uh, Ishtar. Yeah. <clears throat> so with with that, uh, I 
it was it was weird because it was one of his last messages. Obviously, it was his last Easter message. Uh, the pastor horse pa- ended up passing away at the end of that year, but he did an Easter message, and I I was able to have it. And one of the only messages I have from the church. So at the end of the video, you'll be hearing Pastor Horse giving the messages about Resurrection Day. So that's what I wanted to tell everybody. Happy Resurrection Day. Happy Resurrection Day. Yep. Uh, that's what at the end of the day, that's what it means to us, I guess, those who truly believe in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> it's, not a, it's not a pagan holiday. Now, of course, you know... Uh, Roman Catholic Church usurped that, and uh, or the you know it's, even, it's beyond the Roman Catholic Church. This mystery Babylon, right? <laughs> yeah. Usurped it and turned it into a pagan holiday from uh, the mystery schools of the Middle East, right? Absolutely. So Ishtar. So obviously everything started from Baal and and just continuously morphed, and then it came to the Roman Catholic Church. First, they were the pagan church, and they became the papal church. Now they're That's under true. the quote-unquote master of Rome, which is the white pope, as we all know. But obviously it gets deeper because there's somebody that supposedly that's above him, and that's the black pope. But of course, with with Bergoglio, Pope Francis being a Jesuit, a lot of people think that he is the black pope posing as the white pope. It gets kind of shady. And, of course, you know, what did I just say to you? Black and white, right? Everything is black and white. Where does that come from? Freemasonry. Everything's double-sided. Right. Dualism, right? And they all um, – that's all part of the mystery schools. You can go past, past the Freemasonry, right? They, they just adopted it. But you know it's it's interesting because you know when he ultimately the Pope is still Pontifus Maximus he's still the, the Emperor of the Roman Empire, which a lot of people don't want to accept. But that's the case. Nothing's changed at all. They just it's thin veneer of Christianity and and religion, but it's really just used uh, still as a, a source of power. For the ruling elite and those that are under the influence of the evil one and his many minions, so because I can't find how anybody could actually stay there for any length of time without that being the case that they're heavily demonized, if not demon possessed. Well, it would be I interesting. And if it's the truth, um, the mass is uh, done in Latin again. Which, you know, if I'm sitting there, and I don't know, I don't think I can go hang out in a Japanese church and feel comfortable if I don't understand what the language is. And I'm pretty sure your basic Roman Catholic going to a church certainly doesn't understand Latin. No, the Nicolaitan church. And, of course, you know, they had our Easter Mass. Because that's that's the thing I want I want to bring up too is you know everything is free flowing with the conversation but the idea that um, with the Easter Mass which the the Pope did a couple of days ago he had a, they had a special thing uh, the Pope declared that there was no hell so there's another notch in his I guess gun belt 
or the hatred of God. You know, it's, it, he just he double talks. You know, what, what was it, a couple of years ago? He said, which is utterly blasphemous. And of course, the Mormons believe this that Jesus's death on the cross was, you know, it was a failure. Which I praise God for that failure. If that was a failure, because else we wouldn't be talking right now, would we, Michael? No. The only hope we have. Yeah. So obviously, with Easter, they enjoy having Easter because they'd like to keep him up on the cross. Everything is really about the cross, and you don't hear the the empty tomb. You hear a lot about the cross and him being on the cross. Yeah. But of course, us talking about that is um, it's it's another eye opener for everybody that hopefully will listen to this that they need to do a study because obviously the other day, um, Friday night was the first day of Passover. And if you go on my pages, page three days and three nights, you can understand the timetable of how the Passover works. And obviously with, you know, I, I say it, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I firmly believe that Jesus was raised on uh, the Sabbath. They just saw him on the the first day, so that's the indicator. Because you know, uh, why wouldn't he be raised on the on the Sabbath? Because he was doing everything else on the Sabbath that was driving them crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, right. He um, is the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath, and uh, absolutely. You know. well, that, I don't know. I just thought that was a, a good indicator. Of what you just said too is, you know, he is the Sabbath. So why wouldn't he be raised on the Sabbath? It just, I don't know. It just makes sense to me. But of course. You know, me and you, we like to use common sense, which nobody uses anymore. It might be a dying breed of the use of common sense. We've certainly been seeing that lately. That's just the case, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's and you go back to Psalm 91 and, you know, this whole thing about religion, and it seems this is going to be leading into, is about, you know, uh, you know, here in you know numerous places, it's at least several in Psalm ninety-one, and you know, verse one: "Ye that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty." Um, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God; in Him I will trust. Uh, verse 9, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Um, and that, you know, we're gonna, this whole putting all your faith, this is what I've come to, to my personal walk with God, is that it's hell, that's what it's all about. It's about having a personal relationship with Him and there's only so long that a that man in our institution and man's ways um, you know um can take you and in fact you know it's it's interesting you know I got people that are all these different organizations these religious organizations that I care about in my family and I got some that are not and 
this religious spirit that comes over them because of they put their faith first and foremost into the institution, they'll deny it till they're blue in the face. Face, uh, Freudian slip there, blue faith. <laughs> but uh, you know, well, the, the problem is, is that eventually um, you have to do just as David did. I mean, King David, you know, uh, you know. It, the fact is, you know, it's a personal relationship, and the church cannot substitute that, no matter how hard you, we try. And we get real busy reading a whole bunch of what other people have to say, instead of just reading what uh, the Word of God has to say and what God has, you know, having that personal relationship, you know, the Spirit, where will it lead you? And so, I don't know, how do you feel about that? Oh, absolutely. It's 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 all there, you know. We're <laughs> we we use our brain, and you know God shows us things, and you know it's 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 there on a platter. Um, one thing that I want to to step in on is the idea, you know, you you brought up religion. Uh, a majority of the churches around the world, you know, they they're in a religion. They believe in a religion an institution they they believe in man-made doctrine and and that's what i i just i was going to go into this whole tirade but you know the lord kind of bits and pieces pieced it together what this is obviously the idea you know i brought it up to you i i we could still go we can go back and forth with this but i i i bring forth to everybody what is church you know what is it supposed to be and you know if you if you watch this video when it gets downloaded, um, God took a hold. He he started saying what church was, and it just started coming out of my mouth. And I, I the bits and pieces have been there because I've been studying it for a week. And this is what I wrote down. I I didn't say this on the the page, on the page though on the video. The doctrine of every church should be the Bible, the Word of God. Its teacher should be the Holy Spirit, bathed in God's glory through the signs of spiritual gifts. As worship lifts up to heaven by God's word-driven, anointed hymns. <laughs> that pretty much says it all right there. Because <laughs> if, if you have all that, you are going to have a biblical church. Right. Well, it seems to me like a lot, a lot of things too. It just go on, expanding on what you're saying is a lot of people that religion today, if it has always been, and apparently always has been since uh, man figured out that they could use it for a, a tool to control, is it? It's all backwards. <clears throat> in which the church, really, in the end, first and foremost, supports a pastor and the building. Instead of uh, the pastor being the servant, first and foremost, uh, and that the building is not that important, but all that money goes towards the benefit of the uh, Christian community, the uh, church, the uh, uh, what is the, the congregation. Yeah. And then it's about, you know, loving. You learn how to love each other, care about each other, support each other, grow in the faith, grow in the spiritual gifts. I mean, 
I mean, we got to deal with something here, and this is it's really a disturbing situation to realize that, um, and you don't see this, and at least I've never seen it. That maybe it's because I'm uh, not in the community for se, but you know, what does Jesus say at the end of Mark? He says, and he said unto them, Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils, demons. They shall speak in new tongues. They um, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after that, the Lord has spoken unto them. He was received into up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. So, I mean, now a lot of people will say, well, this, that, and the other, and they'll start saying stuff like, well, he, so he, well, he's just okay now to go drink arsenic and all that kind of stuff. And of course, that's, not the case, is it? <laughs> Unless it's absolutely a necessity in order to get to do God's work, then I guess God will protect us from that. But of course, with the, with the amount of things that we ingest as it is, it's this sheer miracle in its own weight and that we're not all dead from it to begin with, you know what I mean? With the, number, the amount of chemicals that they pump into all of us, let alone the body of Christ. And then... Um, and they shall take up serpents. What do you, uh, you know, what is it exactly does that mean, serpents, take up serpents? What do you think it is? Well, that we hang out in churches and lift up snakes. <laughs> I, I don't even know how you get that. You know what I mean? What is that going to do? Uh, yeah. What does that really mean? What is he really saying there? What is the Holy Ghost, what is the Holy Spirit really trying to say there? He's trying to say something. You know, what he's saying is you take up, we can take up serpents. Well, first of all, you know, who do we battle but the serpent? And who is all the serpent? That's what it comes down to. Yeah, well, we can take on the enemy, right? That's what it is. Mm-hmm. We're not afraid of the you know, anymore. The power and the strength of God we can take on. Things like witchcraft and sorcery, we can take on and challenge, uh, like the the Catholic Church or the Jesuits or all the other, you know, Satanists. Or areas. your neighbor. Yeah. You know, you might fight with your neighbor about something, and you know, you might fight with you. You go into a church and you fight with a church member. Obviously, we're not supposed to do that, but. You know, if you if you go in a church and you're hearing something and or somebody's saying something, you've got the spirit inside you. He's going to want you to you know call that person out. Yeah, here's another thing from my personal notes. Like my son and his mother, and she's been using that as a a weight to sword over my head to manipulate me. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as you know, and spending so much time, and I have to you know. Uh, I've been an honorable father. I know I have. I did the best I could. Let's put it that way. And I've had them literally most of the time and got no recognition of it, but that's fine. 
I should know better that that's what's going to happen. But it's just finally get to a point. It's just like that fear is gone about whether I lose them or not, if that makes any sense. And I know that the, the demons in her and the demons around her and the devil's using her and her family as a way of trying to make me feel bad and to make me feel cruddy. And, um, and, what I, and, I, and I emphasize it's the devil and these demons that are doing this, manipulating them because they're simply just people of the world behaving like witches because that's what they were trained to be. They don't know, they don't have the spirit of God. And they don't know who God really is. They don't even believe in God. And so you have this whole situation where it's just like, okay, God, I'm putting this all, I, we meant, I talked to you earlier about this. And I was just like, God, I'm just putting this all in your hands. I miss my son. But at this point, I've had enough. This is not good for me. To be constantly, every time I see them, the jab, jab, jab. You know what I mean? And the thing is, it's like it's this hit and run thing where you can't eat. I've never been able, ever, all the time, from the moment she broke up with me, been able to have one sensible, sane conversation with her. A minute. You have my my point of view heard. And, and so it's just like you get to a point, you're just like, okay, what am I actually losing here, God? I love my son, and you know I love my son. I pray for him all the time for salvation. You see me pray with him. You see me read the Bible with him. You see me be there to take care of him. You're the one that saw me change his diapers and everything else. And I'm just like, you know, God, these serpents, these demons that have been causing me misery and thousands of others, God. I put it in your hands, my son, but it, it, I have to serve you first. And I don't care whatever happens. You know, what happens? I mean, I do care, but I, I put it in all your hands. Therefore, I, 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 I should not worry. You're my fortress and my pressures. And surely if you protect King David and had you know, thousands and ten thousands of men on this side and that side, you know what I mean? And of course, as a comparison also to, you know, it's King Saul, you know what I mean? And how much more successful uh, David was in battle, uh, spiritually. And and, uh, and I'm just like, you know, I'm just, it's, it's not worth it. It's not worth me playing this game anymore. Well, I look at it this way. And it's and it's kind of funny because the first couple shows that we've had, the man's name came up, and that's Billy Graham. I did get something from him. He said, "90% of worry are things we can't change," and it's true. So that's why you gave it to God. That's why I gave my situation to God because we can't change them as much no, as we want don't. to. But that's can't just, you can't. You How can you change that you, you pray for, you pray for them? They won't even give you, you know, a minute to even say anything. They won't even give you 30 seconds. Heck, no, they won't even give you five seconds. You know, I mean, that's how the world is. Well, that's, that's the reason that's why where, that's where you have to pray for them and pray for that God uses them, and next thing you know, it, it'll happen. Something, you know, maybe your son is just going to just go crazy and just say your name over and over again that he wants to be with you, to you know, see, you, see you, you know what I mean? And that might just drive her nuts and be like, okay. Right. But 
Well, you know, I'm, I'm know, he I'm, might say something that's going to stun her. You know, I, how many times Jesus goes with the children, like out of the mouth of babes? You don't know what he's going to say, and it's just it might cut her to the 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 uh, the heart, and she might like, wow, I have been wrong on a lot of this stuff. You don't know what's going to happen. That's why you know God's so wonderful in that way because you don't know. Yeah, I think the most important thing is to serve him. And then this goes back to serving him and having a personal relationship. And although this is Resurrection Day, and the thought came uh, brief, briefly about maybe going to church. And I'm like, you know, God, you know, no one ever just like reads your word. Why do they, they have to expand upon and expound upon all these different verses, take a verse here and there, and have this big sermon when and usually it's only 15 20 minutes anyways but sometimes it's longer the better churches i guess better orators they can you know do an hour or so but god why don't you just read the bible it's your word why do we have to substitute any of this certainly the holy spirit can teach it's taught me in fact everything I, most of my confusion came from listening to other people uh, put their te- t- their ten cents into it. When, when, why do I need? Why does anybody need that? But uh, you know, honestly, what, what's, it, what's the basic person going to say to you that you need fellowship? Obviously, we're supposed to have fellowship. There's, but when, when you get in there and you're like talking, you're like, oh, I want fellowship. And you're you're telling me they're not talking about the Bible. They're not talking about what God does in their lives. They want to talk no. about what, like sports or what have you. If they even talk to you, I mean, you have to, have yeah. to, you have to wait, you know, a year before anybody actually drives, and you, if you course you can reach out to them. But uh, it's like such an awkward and weird situation. I mean, it's because it's a pseudo community where uh, there really isn't a, at all. It's it's there is no fellowship for the vast majority of people. It's just a place to go on a Sunday and be entertained for an hour and a half and listen to someone stand before you and give their two cents. And I'm not saying that they're not good at what they do, but I don't believe for a moment that's what God had intended. I mean, if, if, if people were rooted in the Bible, in fact, if that was exactly what it was all about too, was you don't go outside of the word of God. Don't make it any more than it really is. And people start going, well, what does it mean about this and that? Well, it says what it says, and that's what it means. Well, that's harsh. Well, <laughs> the reason why it's harsh is because we live in a culture today in which you have to cater for people's sensitivities and their emotions and their feelings instead of just saying, hey, this is God, and this is his word, and this is what he says. And, you know, we might not like it, but that doesn't matter. Now, how is it, how are we supposed to grow upon that rock? How are we supposed to, to mature? How are we ever supposed to get past the milk if everyone's always worrying about numbers and maintaining status quo? That That's why I left the church. As, as much as I, I needed to move, I, when I moved, I felt like right then God was leading me somewhere else because I knew, obviously, I needed the love, like I told you. I needed to understand the word. I needed to go through the basics, what you just said. 
they were a nursery. <laughs> Let's put it that way. They were a nursery, but I started growing up, and all of a sudden, it was weird because I said it on there too. I just all of a sudden I just start saying weird things, and it just like out of the blue. I I could I was in that church and. Here I am talking to people that have been in this church for 50 years, and I'm telling them about things they don't know about. And I'm just like, wow, what is going on? And I told you that, you know, it seems like the church was built around some of these people because they were, you know, this, this lady I talked to, I love, praise God for her. She was in her 90s. She just turned 90 when I was around her. She was a prayer warrior because, that's the whole thing is God transitions people. So she, she couldn't get around as much as she used to, so God transitioned her. She, she can get on the phone and start praying for people. So she became a prayer warrior. But it just gets to a point where you're not growing. You're not doing anything because you're stagnant. Because I don't think that's what God wanted the church for. It's pretty much, ideally, I think it's there to either get a word from other people and recharge our batteries, and maybe get some orders to go in the ba- battle. It's not there to sit there every week and just because you're not doing anything. Like obviously, it's just the fellowship. But of course, if you're supposed, if you have other biblical Bible believing people around you, like you or me, you should be growing. But you're not. You're just you're just sitting there. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, well, I'm slowly becoming these other people, and I'm just going to be stagnant and just do nothing and take root in the church. But I don't think that's what churches were for. It's It was just there to, obviously, to first get in there, get saved, get some milk, understand what right from wrong, but you're supposed to go. And I, I, I see a lot of pastors doing that, and I think that's a good thing because they're not staying there. They're going to other churches and talking because that way they can continue to grow and not be stagnant. You know, I, I can imagine being a, you know, being a pastor of a church for 50 years and you're just seeing the same people over and over again. Obviously, it's wonderful. They're wonderful people, but I'm sure the pastor would become stagnant from that. Yeah, well, you know, it's 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 nice that they have great orators, and that's and I do appreciate it. But it's not as important as actually staying in the Word of God, not going out of. It. I mean, let's just like read Jesus. This is uh, Mark. I'm staying in Mark right now because I just read Mark this today. So I want to reflect upon some of the stuff in Mark twelve thirty five through I don't know forty something like that. And uh, Jesus answered and said. And uh, he's talking about, he's talking about before he said any further, uh, to, to a scribe. And a scribe said to him, well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God and there is none other but he. And to love him with all thy uh, the heart and with all the understanding, with all his soul and with all thy strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than a whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And so I started in 33 here. And, um, and when Jesus saw 
that he answered discreetly and said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. And Jesus answered and said, While he taught in the temple, How say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said, By the Holy Ghost, The Lord said, to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemy thy footstool. And David therefore himself called him Lord. Whence is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go and long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and in the uppermost room at feasts, and when devour, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, these shall receive great damnation. And Jesus sat over against the treasury, and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury, and many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor woman, poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into to the treasury. And all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. <clears throat> and then, of course, it goes into um, describing, you know. There's a lot of stuff in you know I mean? Yeah, really describes today's church. Yeah, well, you know, first of all, you took about look about it, David. Now, David, uh, you know, here he grew up a shepherd, and wasn't really, um, it, you know, he was pretty much the last in the line of his brothers type of thing, and really wasn't had no great expectations of anything. And God chose him and made a situation for David. You know, he wasn't in the synagogues. He wasn't with all these men with their flowing robes, right? And David himself saith, by the Holy Ghost, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou on my right hand and I, and till I make thine enemies thy footstool. Now, my point being when bringing up David and the Holy Ghost is that, A, apparently people could receive the Holy Ghost prior to Pentecost, because that's what Jesus is saying, right? It actually says it in Acts, too, that people received the Holy Ghost before they were baptized by water. And that's a very right. big thing that I've been fighting with you know, various people. Well, I knew right it was there. there. I just it's there. 
But my point being in all that is, too, is that, you know, here he's walking, not in a congregation, but he's out in the wilderness, raised, you know, t- tending to the sheep, a flock of sheep, you know, and battling with bears and lions and all that kind of stuff. And uh, God, it's almost like God knew in his God's wisdom that he had to be isolated from the rest in order to be taught correctly and to develop a personal relationship and be able to actually receive inspiration from the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't know if that makes any sense. And I don't know if that's the right word, inspiration, but, but communication at the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, and no, so that, that speaks volumes. The idea that, you know, what you're saying is that a majority of that teaching and what he learned was in the wilderness. Yes. And if we are honest with ourselves, that's is the same. That's true for us, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Yeah, and so then, you know, of course, then it goes on to get anyone to come to the son of David when really Jesus was the Lord of David, and that, uh, of course, and, you know, so David said, therefore, David therefore himself called, called him Lord. Whence is he then his son? <laughs> Pretty much, you know, telling, you know, hey, listen, you know, David was talking about me. <laughs> yes, instead of the the what we would know today as the Pharisaical churches, right? Where you yeah. you went through that, and the first thing that hit me is you said that they 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 wanted the best the best seats in the synagogue, and the first thing that popped in my head, I've heard heard on and on about a lot of these big churches. If you go to the front seats you will see plaques with names on them from big donors so they have their personal seats. And by the way, that's true even in a smaller church where like where I go to where can, you know, seven or people can go there. It's still a big church. But seven or people go out there and it's the same thing and this is the Presbyterian church and then the center rows they have reserved, reserved, reserved. And I'm like, wow. Wow. What does this really mean? And it means quite clearly what it means. It's saying quite clear what it's saying. This is for the special people. And you can sit over there on the side or in the back. You know? <laughs> yeah, obviously, you go to certain churches, they need people sit where they normally sit. I mean, some people, obviously, like I said, I'm a part of that older church at the one time. And, you know, there's cushions on the pews in certain ones. No, you can't even, you can't even be in pain then, you know, just for the, about the half an hour. It's, I don't know, it's mind-blowing. But then, then of course, then they have the platform, the stage, the podium, and everything that goes along with it. And you're like, it's, you know, is this really what God intended in any way, shape, or form? 
Well, back so in the day, people, I can understand. Well, where are we supposed to go? Where are we supposed to go? Where's, you know, people are going to say, where are we supposed to go? And I think Jesus is telling us where to go. Yeah. Where do you think we're supposed to go? Where do you think? Where is it we're supposed to go? Where do you feel we're supposed to go? Well, out into the world, into the wilderness. Go to him, right? Have him be yeah, a refuge, and have him and walk with him. And this, there's only so much that anybody else can do for you, anyways. I mean, it's like I'm not saying that it wouldn't be good to have the communities that they used to have, or what they might have in the early church. There was something that caused it to catch fire, and part of it was obviously was the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. But you know, uh, before it was all corporatized and um, paganized and Romanized, that there was a sense of some kind of community, I would imagine, and um, a real community, like an extended family type of thing, and where people were focusing on Christ. And there's something that happens when two men focus on Christ and his word. That there's like um well the spirit takes over and all ghosts and kind of you can have a bond that you cannot have any other way. Where you can't go astray. Because you become right. <laughs> it's funny because it says in the Bible about being rooted in the word. When I've been saying over and over again in our conversation about being people being rooted in the church. <laughs> really crazy. That's how God works. So I, I, I don't know. It's 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 hard to understand that. Like I said, you know, it's it's nice to have fellowship, and we're supposed to have fellowship. But you know, being stuck in a church—that's the whole thing too. Is you said something about not wanting to go to church today? When I first started going to church, those that I didn't go on Easter. Or Christmas, because I hate to say it, but that's when pagans come in, right? Because everybody wants to bring their families, and I, it's not, I hate to say this, and I know it's the truth, the, the church isn't for the unsaved. It isn't. All right. And it took well, me a I... while to understand that. Social club, right? Where we're going to, but you know, well, yeah, you know what, what I, it's become. And like I was I telling wanna... you, and I said in the video, you know, I'm looking at these Presbyterian churches. Apparently, it seems like it's filled with Masons. I'm, I'm sure it is. I'm sure. You know what I end up doing by the mercy and grace of God, I end up reading all of the Book of Mark and recorded it and put it on YouTube and on Talkshoe. I figured, you like, you know, God, you know, instead of complaining about it, I'm going to just start doing it. No one else wants to do it. I'm going to do it. It seems like nobody just wants to just read the Bible. <laughs> it's like no, it's some kind wonderful. of a, it should be done. Well, well, no, but it's like it's like it's like this burdensome thing, and even it was for me too. And it's only because the Spirit is working on me. But let's be honest. I mean, it's like when you. It sometimes it's just like really because you know you're not really connected with God and you just don't want to read it and most people don't even want to hear it. I mean, I can you know I can talk about 
Bigfoot Witchcraft, and I know I'll get some views, right, on my YouTube channel. But the moment I read the Bible, the man, the things drop. <laughs> and I just, you know, it has to be the Holy Ghost. It has to be the Spirit that makes a man want to even read it and to see it for what it really is. And, you know, there's a time when it, seems, it feels like it's archaic, right? Because maybe because of the language and because of everything else. But the more you live life, the more you study this, and the more you walk with Christ, you realize it really is a living word. It really is. Uh, you know, oh, absolutely. I, I've heard of, uh, I don't know who told the story. Obviously, when, when I got saved, I started, I, I asked, you know, certain people, what do I do? And, you know, one of the people that told me, and I'm, I'm glad it did work out, even though it gets to a point, just like being in that church, you have to walk away from it. I started w- listening. I- I'm sure you might even get the connection with it of uh, Word FM, which is in Pittsburgh. Um, and it just, it, they have sermons, and I just listen to all these teachers, and one of them, you know, obviously they're Presbyterians, and you break it down. I'm sure these guys were Masons, and one of them was R.C. Sproul. And he, he just, t- you know, they're good teachers, but it just gets to a point like, <laughs> uh, what is the point? Because they're create, you know, this guy's creating more pastors, and I'm just, I'm listening, and it just. Obviously, um, I'm, God's reminding me of my the, the pastor horse. I'm going. I I wanted to figure out what what year, what day it was, and uh, year it was when he died because I wanted to see what the timetable was when I was doing this research. And it talks about him going to two different uh, seminaries, and just that's that's where the damage is. Because obviously, <laughs> they ain't talking about what we know. They're talking about what man should know about God, which is weird. Well, yeah, it puffs it up, right? It makes them prideful. And we've been, and it's, uh, here in Mark 7, if you don't mind reading, read some more here. Um, Mark 7, starting in verse 5, and Pharisees and scribes asked him, why walk not thy Disciples according to the traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands. And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching the doctrines, the commandments of men. So you're going further. Isn't this just powerful? People say, Jesus didn't say he was God. Oh, yes, he did. He just did, didn't he? People need to read closely because he does. It says, really, what does he say? This people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. How be it in vain do they worship me? (laughs) Teaching the doctrine of the commandments of men, for laying aside the commandments of God, 
ye hold traditions of men as the washing in pots and the cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, who so curse of the father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, if a man shall say to his father and mother, it is korban, that is to say, a gift, by whosoever thou mightest profit by me, he shall be free. And he suffered him no more to do, and they suffered him no more to do aught for his father and his mother, and making the word of God none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. When he had called all the people unto them, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand, there is nothing from without a man that entering into that he that can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are, are they that defile a man. If any man have near, let him hear. And so... Yeah, I mean, if you look at, at traditions of men, and of course, the first thing it comes to the Roman Catholics, but then we go into the evangelicals, the, the what their traditions are, and it's a disturbing fact that in the Protestant churches too, and the, and the Presbyterians and all that, these traditions are more important. They're more important. Yeah, well, obviously, being in the Presbyterian Church, there's no difference between that and the Baptist Church. How it how it has, you know, what I mean, obviously the benedictions at the end. You have, let's see, Presbyterian. You got three hymns. So you're singing in between, and the sermons in the middle, and all this other stuff. Obviously, it's it's good to have order, and but the thing is. When you have order with this, obviously you're getting in tradition. And obviously, I don't think God likes tradition too much. Obviously, what you just read. So, like I told you, I, I, I went to that one church, and, you know, how many times I went in there, and the guy has his 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 sermon written out. He has a, a basic outline of what scriptures he's used, and all of a sudden he's, God's like, no. <laughs> It's my turn, and he just starts. It's God. All of a sudden, God comes in and then starts saying what He wants to say. So He can't. When you go into that church, He can't have a set thing they're going through. And that's what God's all about. And that's why, obviously, you started off with 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 Jesus with strong language. You know what I mean? That's the whole thing. Is everybody's starts attacking me about oh I'm hard on uh, certain things and the language that I use and it, it, not like borderline swearing or anything but it, it's it's harsh so people look at it as swearing but I, I go back I'm like okay well just read the scripture over and over again when you're listening to Jesus talk especially during the Sermon on the Mount dude he's calling them out you go back in the day I'm sure whoa you brood of vipers, 
wasn't a pleasant thing to say to a person. <laughs> and I'm sure they got really, really, really upset by somebody saying that. Like, who's this guy? In the meantime, he's God. <laughs> and they're saying all these things to him. And they're trying, that's the funny part is you see that all through the Bible, and they're trying to top him. In the meantime, he's like, well, guess what? I'm the one who wrote these things, and you're, you're trying to throw it in my face, and probably half the time they were saying it wrong. So I, I'm sure he was very unpleasant, so it just gets to a point where you, I'm sure he got sick of the hypocritical stuff, the traditional stuff, and he just started calling them out. You know, like I said, I, I told you about the preparation day of Passover where they whitewashed the tombs. That was fantastic for me to find out because all of a sudden those, that verse jumps out. So with him calling them whitewashed tombs, Oh, I could imagine. I, I, I must have cut them to the core. It really must have. And they're just like over and over again, who's this? But the problem is they couldn't do anything because he's just speaking truth. And he's in the middle of doing all this stuff. He's taking their limelight. That's what it comes down to. You know what I mean? The, that's the whole. You look at these guys today. You you know there's a, a talk about man, love of of man. You can go on uh, a Jerusalem website. I don't know what it is, and there's a 24 hour video on the wall, and they're just watching people pray. And some of these guys, I forgot the name of them, but they got boxes on their head that has scripture in it. Like, isn't that hypocritical? Like, you're supposed to have that word in you, not on your forehead. Like, is it is it going to seep into you that way? I just there, there's a lot of hypocrisy with the Jewish people, or what we think is the Jewish people. Just I don't think we'll we'll well we'll I don't know if we'll know in our lifetime. We'll certainly know when God comes back. We're around, but we'll know this hypocrisy and we'll, we'll see it firsthand. Like I said, I say this to you how many times, the, the elephant in the room, they're bowing to a wall. Like I couldn't imagine what he's going to say to them when he comes, like you're bowing to a wall. You, you just, I just watched the 10 commandments yesterday. I, I forced myself to watch it. I never really watched the whole thing through. So you, uh, you have to see, obviously, Moses is uh, on the mountain, and they they talk Aaron into making the uh, the golden calf. But this scene is horrible. I, I, it's not like it really. It's not like that in the Bible, I don't think. But they they were doing debauchery with this golden calf. Like they were, it was horrible. I'm watching this. I'm like, what? possibly would God think of this horrible movie? Obviously, there's a lot of bad stuff. It's like, it's wrong. I'd say half of the movie's wrong. But you're just watching it. It's just like, I couldn't imagine being there firsthand when Moses came down, and you're just like, all rules are out the window. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. They think, you know, oh, Moses is dead. Let's Let's party. Let's make another God. Like, how does that even get in their heads? 
uh, it's pretty easy. I mean, there's the fallen state of man, and then you have these demons, and because they're not protected by God and by His Holy Spirit, then it's just easy. They're just easy pickings. No, I, you know, dude, I couldn't imagine that whole setting. See, like, seeing like you do. Seeing all those demons fly everywhere, it had to have been a, a party with them. They must, it, it must have been the highlight of what they've been living through. Yeah. <laughs> never mind well, with him. Never mind with him coming down and smashing the commandments in front of them. They must have been like, "Yeah, we won." You know what I mean? Right. But man, that's the hard part, Michael. As I go through this. As I continue to read the Old Testament, I'm slowly going through, like I said, I read two chapters a day. I want to go slow and digest it. It's horrible. Like, every time somebody does something right, all of a sudden it's great. You know, there's a new king. He starts falling away of God. And next thing you know, it's just, I got to go back to worshiping my idol. And they go back to Baal worship. Then God judges them, and they don't learn their lesson. And it's just over. It's, Michael, it, it's us. You know what I mean? It's just how many stupid things we do, and we have to go back to God for repentance. And, you know, and that's what happens over and over again. And that's why it's so amazing, the idea of Paul, what he did, what God did through him, never mind writing a majority of the New Testament, and realizing who this man was up to that point. You know, dude, he was in charge of stoning Stephen. People don't want to understand that, that he did that. Um, he murdered Christians over and over again. And people can't grasp, they don't want to grasp a hold of that. They want their greasy grace, everything's wonderful, let's have a Joel Olstein sermon. Because that's why, that's why, another reason why they don't look at the, their, their new covenant New Testament, because they can't look at the Old Covenant because it's it's hard. It really is because of all the the stuff that you know what God did. His people walked away from him. They came back. They walked away. But these are hard. Like it's not like okay, well I sinned once. It's they go back to their debauchery and go back to making giant idols and what you know. How many times do you see in the Old Covenant? I'm talking going back to Baal worship. Yeah, it's hard, man. It really is to you know go through that, and you're just like I'm just going through the Old Testament. It's really some of those, especially going through Kings and Chronicles, and you're just going through it. It's just like it's not happy. It's just they just keep going back to their idols and see how big yeah. they can build them. But look at us today. The churches are filled with idols, and they don't realize that. You know why? They don't read the Word. Well, they can't read the Word because they don't have it. They read the NIV. And that's the whole thing is here I am going through this, and I put that sermon on on the website, and it's, like I said, it's hopefully about due and hopefully in an hour to be on YouTube. I'm listening to him preach. It's It's really nice, but the idea is, He's talking about Lent. He's talking about all these various things. And he's and I'm listening to what he's saying because he's preaching from the Bible. It's not the King James Bible he's preaching from. 
and that that really shocked me when when I got away from the NIV Bible, hearing preachers, hearing Bible teachers go through certain verses, and you're used to hearing them say it, and all of a sudden you hear it in the NIV or the King James Bible, and you're like, that ain't that ain't right. That that's different. There, that must be a mistake. Well, no, it's the NIV has the mistake. But once you realize that, it's I kicked and screamed when my mentor told me that NIV was bad. I was looking at it, Michael, and seeing stuff missing, and I still couldn't comprehend it. Yeah, my my first uh, get yourself a Bible that you, that you can read. Uh. That's a, so. Actually, listen to some of today that a brother in Christ saying that, and I'm just and I know he meant well, but um, I, you know, uh, the other reason why you're going to understand the Bible period is if you have the Holy Spirit with you. And you know what I mean? If you think that you're going to understand it by uh, your own intellect, that's not how this works. I reassure you that you can learn and learn and learn all you want, and you could end up being, oh, you just name one. You know, they one of the big pastors of the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and uh, do they really truly understand the Bible? Probably not. In the end of the day, because they're the ones in that big mega church running it. There's no way they can understand it. Well, like you said, and I got distracted by going into details about Word FM, but you brought up the living word, and it is, because I was telling you about R.C. Sproul, and he, was, he teaches a class, and they, they take one verse, and the stuff that people get out of one verse, they're writing pages, and it's all different. Because it means different when you're in different. That's the thing. It's why it's so wonderful. No matter what situation you get yourself into, when you read the word, it changes. And it almost like it's weird. It like adjusts for you. Like when you're like obviously, I could read a ver- what you just read, and a year from now it means something completely different to me because it it confides. It, it morphs into your situation, and it means something else to you. That's why it's the living word, and that 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 is so wonderful to me. And one of the things I want to state one thing, and I don't know if I ever told you this, and it, and it's so awesome. Um, and of course, I you know you get stuff from these teachers from, from Word FM. You get the basic thing, but a lot of them tell various stories. And some of these stories don't mean anything, but some of them, they speak volumes. Like, uh, uh, I forgot who it was. It was Adrian Rogers. That's who it was. He was going through the idea, the Bible. And, that you know, people have at one time, I'm sure you were there, I was there, where the idea is you're looking at the the Bible and trying to understand that all these different people wrote the Bible but yet it came from God. And you're just like, how does that work? Like, how does, you know, it, like Paul and Isaiah, 
pretty much doing the same thing because God is working through them. And I couldn't fully comprehend that, but all of a sudden Adrian Rogers said this. He had this he had his band leader come up. And he's like and he get, and he's like, pick up your trumpet and he starts playing the trumpet. And I'm like, Okay, what's going on here? And all of a sudden he he's like, Go pick up the saxophone and he starts playing the saxophone. He's playing two different instruments, but it's the same guy. And all of a sudden it just hit me like a ton of bricks. That's what God does. He 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 uses these guys as instruments to get his word across. And that's one wonderful thing. But the other wonderful thing that you need to comprehend is you hear the story of, uh, was it Sodom and Gomorrah? And Abraham's there, and he's, he's talking about, okay, well, what if, what if 10 people were good? You know what I mean? And he's, and he's going back and forth. He's going back and forth with Jesus. And people don't understand that. Jesus is all through this book. And once you, that's the whole thing with Michael. You can't understand that without the Holy Spirit. You can't understand it without the Holy Spirit. Read the beginning of Genesis. That's him. (laughs) Read the end of Revelations. That's him. Everything in the middle is God. Oh yeah, it's that you know this. Uh, I'll, I'll read that. I don't know if we I read it last time, but I'll read it again. Just like you said, we will do this again. This is great. Well, you read you read the book. Okay, so of people that, say, okay, ringing, people say, huh? People say, well, how can the trees and the plants grow without the sun? Here we go. In the beginning, God created heaven and the earth. And the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And the light, day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were... The first day, which is interesting. Evening and the morning were the first day. But then, if you go to John, and hopefully... Just read the beginning of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And it says here, uh, And there was a man sent from God, whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. We go back again to Genesis. In the beginning was God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. 
God saw the light and that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness. He called night and the evening and the morning the first day. So the very first thing, God. The end. Right. In the beginning, it talks about, you know, Jesus is only begotten son. Um, uh, now, it says here that, you know, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and that it was good, and God divided the darkness of the light. I mean, what else can it be but Jesus Christ? What else is it? If God, if Jesus, you know, as we, we go right further on, like we read in the previous recording, uh, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, talking about Jesus, and the world knew him not. Okay? Um, which is, you go further, it says, and he came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. Okay, there's another testimony right there that Jesus is God. Jesus said he's God, John says he's God, in the beginning was God and the light, Jesus is the light. How did everything come about? Well, here's the interesting part as you say, talk about the light. Uh, and I just brought it up to you. Moses coming down from the mountain. He had to wear a veil because he was shining the light. Because God, he was with God for 40 days. So when he came down, he was radiating a reflection. I don't know how that works, of God's light. I don't know. The wonderful thing is I would love to really get into that. And one day, we'll, that's one thing I want to ask him. Because I believe when he was up there with God, his spirit connected with him so much. His spirit, whatever did with his, uh, whatever's inside us, the molecules, made him radiate this light. It was the spirit man coming out of him. So what you were, what Aaron was seeing when he was coming off the mountain from Moses was the radiating light of our spirit because he was with God. Which is really wonderful. That's so cool. Well, and then the thing about when Jesus uh, went up to the mount there. uh, Transfiguration. Transfiguration. And, uh, you know, and he became as pure white. uh, What was the? I'm trying to think of what they actually said, how they described it. I'm trying to find it, actually. Um, And that is... Uh, oh, anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah. So he you was know, a transfigure Mount of Transfiguration, and he he comes out, and he's just the purest white, the purest white ever seen, right? And wow. so. 
Anyways, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry for the dead air, but um, it's somewhere. I know it's there somewhere because I just read it. <laughs> okay. Um, his face shine did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as light. Where's that? <laughs> huh? That's Matthew 17. Matthew 17. Uh, I'm going to see that, because that's what just... That pretty much be the killer right there, as far as him. Uh, Matthew 17... What verse? Uh, let's see, what verse would that Stranger, I mean, I take a deep, I mean, I that's, isn't that the beginning? That's the beginning of 17. Um, you would go... It would be the second... Strangely for them, his raiment was white as the light the light of the world. Jesus Christ. <laughs> They're all confirmations. What else, what, God what, likes I mean, to what, confirm stuff over and over again. So the light of the world is Jesus Christ. There's nothing more, more to say, you know, and it's just like, uh, right? I mean, that's the logical deduction, Genesis, uh, Matthew 17, the first chapter of uh, John. I don't know how many others. But, you know, the reason why there's any life at all is because of him, is what it comes down to. It has nothing to do with a ball in the sky. And although it generates heat, and thank goodness God gave it for us, you know, but, but it's the reason why any of the thing is living is well, because of Well, that's a part of the timepiece, right? The yeah. sun is part of the timepiece. Which is, you know, like I said, it's, it's utterly amazing. When, when I did my study on the face of the earth, and just realizing how many times it's in the Bible, and just all of a sudden you, you see the set parts of it being in the Bible, and it's uh, 20-something times, and I just, all of a sudden, I'm just with the idea of the flat earth study. And you're just like, okay, well, what's the clock? It's the face. Where did that come? It's the face of the clock. So you look at, it's the face of the earth. What is the earth? It's a giant clock. <laughs> oh, okay. It, it confirms itself. But, of course, you're brainwashed with the globe. So you can't, if you don't have that spirit inside you, you're going to kick and scream with what you think is in front of you. You're seeing the sphere, and I'm like, okay, how does that work? It doesn't work because you you're just you go back to tradition. You hate to say it, but we're in a tradition that we live on a sphere because that's what we've been brainwashed to understand and know for how many years now. Since you were a kid, since I was a kid, I'm sure you and went. Sure, to, and surely, I'm sure you went to surely, preschool. There was a globe in there somewhere. Yeah, and surely no one would lie to us now, would they? No, no, not at all. <laughs> I, I I can't imagine now. Like I said, the whole thing with we talked about at one time about the, the Common Core. I mean, they take something simple, which. Two plus two, or what's the fourteen plus ten, and they have to put on the side 
you're looking at the 14 and you look to the the right of it, it says 10 plus 14. You look at where 10 is, the 10 it might be 10 plus zero. So you, you double everything you do for the same thing. So they take some, something basic, and they complicate it. Dude, that's our life. How many things that we know is so simple that a child can read this book and an old man will die reading it and not fully comprehend its words? But like I said, it's, it's there. It's all there. But what is the key ingredient to it? The Holy Spirit. And that's why people say when you read something, you've got to meditate on it because God has to get a hold of what you just read and show you what it means instead of you going, oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? And you're asking 100 people. In the meantime, the only person that truly knows is the one who created it. And coincidentally, the one who created you reading it. <laughs> It's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's, it truly is a fascinating thing to think about. <laughs> How well, uh, just his, just his, <laughs> his creation. I saw some. I think it was on something called. Uh, there was a show on TV on Cornerstone. It's called Origins. And the i the, the idea is there's no atheists. It's just people that deny God and they they have to hate him. I could have. I was watching something the other day. How many times that either God's either blasphemed, or I what was the other thing? I I watched the Ten Commandments. So all of a sudden, I heard somebody say today, "Oh, it's like the parting of the Red Sea." You don't know anything about the Red Sea because you're unsafe, but yet it's a part of your lingo. It's crazy how life works. But I think I I, I hate to say it, but I think maybe some of those little things like that. Or little seeds. It's just the idea that maybe one day somebody will come along and water that seed. But it, God is amazing. But like I said, you look at this origins. I'm watching it, and the like the idea that we're just an accident. It's just utterly ridiculous because he. This one guy just talks about the eye, right? So. They show this this police officer in a high-speed chase, and he's weaving around traffic. He's watching for pedestrians, and everything, his brain is, well, his eyeballs are telling his brain, and her, his brain is telling his hands and feet to do. And it just happened. I, I'm sorry, you've got to be a moron. I hate to say something like that, but... Well, we were. I, I guess that makes sense. It, it just to be so ignorant. Well, like I said to you today, you were talking about college, and I, I brought up the idea that was a ninety ninety eight percent of our DNA is shared with chimps, and that's what they're say, saying in colleges. That's ridiculous. Are, are we that brain dead? It's got pretty much. Point. I'd say yes. Yes. Everything and then if, down and then so if, you, if you really study it, then it's like ninety-eight percent of the twenty-five percent that we share DNA-wise, <laughs> or something like that. So we, when it's all said and done, is we share like less than 
uh, a fifth of the DNA we share together. So <laughs> it's like it's really that bad. But, you know, that's how they skew the numbers and manipulate it to make their, you know, so it goes to like, well, why? Why is mankind, why is it so much so that it hates God so much that it wants to pretty much disprove everything that God says? Yet, when one actually does any little bit of research, one constantly finds the fallacies in their arguments. Well, what it comes down to is pride. They don't want to be told what to do. They want to do what they want to do. Like I told you a long time ago, everything stems from the sin of pride. I can break down everything from the pride. But yeah, but think about what you were saying too, because man will say that he doesn't want to follow God, yet he'll follow man. Now, where's the pride in that? You know, I mean, so we'll follow another man and what he has to say, but we won't follow what God has to say. Now, think of the irrational, illogical basis for that. They're getting something from it. You ready for this? I'm seeing this today. There was a show on TV I used, I liked because I liked the idea of the Western-style shows, and there was a show on a long time ago, and they're playing it on decades right now where they just play, they play a whole season of shows until they're done with it. And it's, it was called, uh, was it Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman? And there's a scene where, obviously, I don't know if you ever heard the movie Glory, where I talked about the black regiment of Union soldiers. Yeah. So think about it. These guys were slaves. They had no freedom. They were ha- they had to follow somebody, but yet they become Union soldiers. And what are they doing? They're being told what to do. But what's the difference? Right. They're getting paid for it because obviously they were they were brainwashed to think that if you serve us, serve us, you will get your freedom. But in the meantime, they're just they're just going into a slow hell because obviously they were low on the totem pole with the union, so they weren't getting the good stuff to eat. They weren't getting boots. They weren't getting all this other stuff. So they were prisoners again, just, just like what the Jewish people thought was going on with them when they want they escaped slavery with the Exodus. But a lot of them wanted to go back because they thought it was better than what they were going through. Now, but isn't in the that meantime, the same, they were seeing God Now, isn't that uh, the same thing that's happening in the church today then? <laughs> right? Like, you know, when you go to church, whether it's Saturday or Sunday, and you uh, follow his particular man-made regimen instead of following the Spirit of God and where he may take you. Instead, and, you know, reading his word and following, you know, his Holy Spirit, you know, isn't that the same thing? Are you kind of like uh, 
basically surrendering your your free will once again in the church for somebody else to control. Yeah, because that's what's going on. How many how many times like when it got to a point where I realized a lot of that stuff was garbage. Where okay, well I can't go to church. I couldn't tell you how many times this came across my head. I can't go to church Sunday. Why? Dude, I don't have money to give. So you go to certain <laughs> churches, they make you feel guilty. Oh yeah, well they pass the they always do, right? They, you know, they pass the the bowl around and ooh. Yeah, oh. and you're, you're afraid to touch the thing. Because you know you have to pass it on and you're like, oh <laughs> and you're just like a, a kid in the classroom with the teacher, don't pick on me, don't pick on me, don't pick on me, when they're asking questions. That's the way you feel. That's right. a horrible, that's horrible. Well, so, you know, it's like, okay, so, you know, this is such a dilemma to be in because then people are going to say, and of course we're worrying about what people are going to say, but uh, instead of what God has to say, um, yeah, you, you you need to go to church. You have to find church to belong to. And um, I don't know, man. It's like, do you really? Um, I mean, I can tell you right now, just you and I having this conversation, I could go to attend church. Uh, half a dozen times and not even come close to the growth that uh, you and I had this, this conversation. You know? Absolutely. So, so it he says two or more. He doesn't say, you know, 150 or more or 50 or more. I and, mean, you know, you're just staring and listen to the same one or two guys say, you know, give the same, you know, either the sermon or the benediction or whatever it is they're doing. Um, it seems to me that there's something a, a great amiss a here. What's going on in the church today, period. And so we're in a moral dilemma. It's not even a moral dilemma. It's more than that. It's a spiritual dilemma in which we still do not put enough faith in God himself we put it in a body of the church. And I have to tell you, I have to be honest with you and anybody who listens to us, it's been nothing but a disappointment for me, period. Every church I've been to, every church I've been to. It, it, you have God nothing, inside you, and what it does is I, I explain this to you about the vision about the churches and the Holy Spirit sitting on the steps. It grieves your spirit. I've been the churches, and I've just been so excited to go in, and you're just completely the opposite when you go out. Isn't that horrible? It should be it is the horrible. opposite. Yeah. Now, now, I hear that from everybody. I mean, a lot of people say otherwise. Um, but my experience hasn't been that way, so I just... Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you that, uh, for, and I'm still, he's like, God, is there something wrong with me? 
Why? What's wrong with me? Why? Am I being defiant? Am I being rebellious? Because I don't want to be. But God, you know, when I go there, I don't, I don't feel, very rarely do I feel edified. In fact, I get exhausted trying to find you in it. <laughs> it's the idea physically. that you feel, you, you hate the idea of thinking like this, but the idea is you feel like you wasted your time. Where you could have did something else that day. <laughs> Part of it's that, but I think really it's just uh, I haven't. Uh, yeah, I, well, yeah. I mean, it seems to always be the case, really. Uh, it, it, but it doesn't have to necessarily be church. It could be just about any man-made organization. Uh, everything that I've ever been in, outside for it leading me to Christ, and the realization that there's no other hope. Another, another. There's no other answer outside of Jesus Christ, and you can't find it in a church. You can't find it in quote unquote, quote religion. And no matter how hard people try to label us as being religious, that's a lie in its own right. Because you know what? You know I know what I want, and I, I, I'm sure you do want the same thing. Period. And that's a personal relationship with our Creator, our God. We don't really want the religion part. We want God. And um, it just you just cannot find it in any ceremony. It's just like it, it. It's not a feeling. You know what I mean? It's not about you know feeling good and feeling happy and all that kind of stuff. It's about you just know that God's real. You just know that His presence is real. You know He's real. And so it's not really about anything that people are claiming it to be. It has nothing to do with religion at all. I mean, how did how did David end up knowing God was real? I mean, I know his, his family taught him the truth about God, but he spent most of his time out there with those sheep. So where did he find God? Obviously, God found him, right? God found favor in him. And so... It yeah, seems to me that. Go ahead. That's 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 the part right there is. You know, you hear about people saying you know blasphemous things about Jesus. I kind of feel like that with that word. It's to it's become blasphemous to my ears. The idea of you know regular church people, regular people that say they're Christian, they'll just talk, you know, oh, this is religion. Like, I've heard people say that, like, oh, we didn't watch that. That was religious. Like, what a ridiculous term. <laughs> it's just, like, I don't know what's offensive to me when I hear people say that. Or when, well, it, how many times have you seen, oh, I've seen on TV, like, oh, he got religion. What does that mean? <laughs> what a horrible term. Well, you know, you find that quite a bit. I mean, it's like uh, I had interaction with, uh, oh, it's Urban Sasquatch is a Bigfoot Facebook page. And I know we're kind of going off the topic here, but it, it isn't really. And it is, of course, it's not Christianity, but it is a religion, the religion of Bigfoot. 
in which, you know, I'm telling people, listen, it's a demon. And they're like, okay, well, you know, you got to respect our point of view and our opinion and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, uh, and they go through this whole thing about this, that, and the other. And and you, in the day, you're just like, wow, Bigfoot is a religion in this country. In this world, there's actually a religion based around a Bigfoot, Bigfoot, which really is a demon. It's not my opinion. It's, it really is a it really is a demon. And uh, if you bring up the you know that 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 is the case, oh my gosh, you know you're you're being divisive and you're causing problems. And how dare you be honest? And it comes down to we love our lives. We love the deception more than the truth. We know that Jesus is the truth. And we know that if you're going to be dedicated solely to, or, you know, first and foremost to your religion, you know, whatever it may be, you're not going to end up having Jesus. You're going to end up having your religion. And you're going to end up being like the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and all that. And you'll know a lot. But will you know Jesus? Well, you know, are, are, you, are you are you ready for this? Just like last time we talked, we had a conversation. Then I went through something, and it solidified everything we had a conversation about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, are you ready to do it again? Sure. Because I wanted to, I wanted to go through something, and I forgot what was on here. It's been such a long time when I created this page. It kind of made uh, Ladia angry because I on this I did bring up tithing, but I have a, a page. It's called Understanding the Facts. What is biblical truth? Follow the Bible, not the traditions of man. <laughs> Dude, the, you're going to be blown away. But I started looking at that as you were talking. I'm like, wow! It's just everything that we just had a conversation about. I just I'll try to go through it quick. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, yeah. this, page, this page is dedicated to my mentor for fo- showing me truth, understanding that sometimes truth is not popular to embrace. Ultimately, when you walk with the Lord, through his spirit will guide you towards all truth. Sometimes the path you go on is smooth, and sometimes it is very rocky. I said that on the audio I just did, the video I just did, because you will, you, because you can even fall, but that's okay. It's okay because he will pick you up. When I was a child, I reasoned like a child. I spoke like a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. When I became a man, I put against, put away childish things. Uh, let's see. When I got saved, I knew very little about Christianity or God. The truth is what I knew about Christianity was Roman Catholicism. I, I, I know that is why I resented Christianity and Christians. I don't know if you felt the same way. Because when I found out about stuff, I realized going, with God showing me stuff and of me going on my own, that a lot of this stuff was Roman Catholicism that I saw on TV or I heard people talk about, and you thought that was Christianity, right? So let me continue. 
It was full of works and hypocrisy. This was the knowledge of Christianity. They were all Roman lies. This is one of the, this was, this is God right here. It's really cool. As I walked through life, picking up the pieces I heard through random people, or I guess through TV, I was put, putting these things in a quote-unquote junk drawer to use them later, and I had to weed out the junk drawer, and it got very dirty. Even though that junk drawer was filled with useless junk, I found random treasure. So let us go on a journey through my junk drawer to find truth, to convert, convert the junk drawer into a treasure chest. Needless to say, we grow in truth every day, and we sometimes have to get our hands dirty to find truth. I'm just saying right now, I just read that. And that's a wonderful thing that I told you, like, I won't make a video unless I know God is behind it, he's pushing me, and he's going to be in it. I'm reading this, and I'm getting inspired by what I wrote because I know it wasn't me who said it. I just was. I just wrote it down as he told me to. Isn't that awesome? So let me go through some of this. I actually have a list. I don't know how many there is here. I'm going to hopefully go through. I guess there's six of them, five of them right now. Um, I, I created a list, not in particular order, of things that we we thought was right at one time, and all of a sudden when we found out when we got saved and we found out the truth, Michael, it kind of opened our eyes to realize things. Like one of the major things that I found out is, number one, that there are 66 books in the Bible. I had no clue. One amazing thing, I can show you the story, what I just told you about Adrian Rogers about the instrument. So I knew this was of God, and that's why I wanted to read it. Okay, here's number two, what, what you just told me earlier, and you keep re- recapping it. The idea is Christianity being a religion. I screamed out when I heard unsaved people, I could understand, but when I was a Christian, says, ah, <laughs> I had to thank God for June Hunt because June Hunt was the Bible. I forgot what she did, uh, which is, you know, it's just the basic stuff. But she goes to the she was ministering through the Bible, and that's the first person that I heard say. And as soon as it hit me, I I said it over and over again, and you just said it four or five times. Christianity Christianity is not a relationship, or it's it's not a religion. It's a relationship with Jesus. And this was my first beginning of understanding biblical truth. Number three. Biblical salvation, you know, obviously with the idea of going through salvation prayers and understanding that, but the major part is that we are saved by Jesus' blood. I just want to read Ephesians because that that was really important too. Ephesians 7 through 4, I don't know which verse that is. It must be the first one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which we have made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. I can just stop right there. God, it's so good, Michael. It's so cool going through this. Uh, 
Now, and we just had this conversation. In this stone, which was rejected by you builders, which was become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other. There is no other name under heaven given among men, which we must be saved. Amen. That's Acts 4, 11 through 14. Right under that it says, we are not saved by going to church. Jesus says in Matthew, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. We just had that conversation. Praise God. Number four, this is the one I wanted to talk to you about before, the appearance of Jesus. Jesus does not look like Brad Pitt. Isaiah 53, 2 verse 3 says about the coming of the Messiah. He has no form of comeliness, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. We, he is despised and rejected by men, uh, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and did not esteem him. But in TV and movies, Jesus is a handsome white man. <laughs> this is not true. This is Roman Catholic brainwashing from Satan. Jesus was a Hebrew who was born in Israel. He was a Jew in the flesh. Does this even matter? God doesn't care about one skin color. And, of course, I got a couple links to uh, about if, uh, here explaining that one of them is called, Was Jesus Black? Um, number five, the fear of death. This was a very big one for me. I had uh, a fear growing up. I don't know where it came from. I assume watching all the garbage horror movies that it put a fear of death in me. Um, but let me read what I wrote. Well, I don't know why. I just should read this and not just explain. When I was young and feared death, I received, but when I received Jesus reading the Bible through understanding that fear was washed away, you learn to give things to God. Not just take fear of death, but all of fear. Just like the weight around your neck, you take it and give it to Jesus. Oh, praise God. You fear the one who created us. Jesus said, peace I leave you, peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Um, I guess this kind of merges in the other one, about the idea of uh, God sent his son to die for our sins so we could live without fear. I got some other Bible quotes. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. I love that so much because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Um, hold on, I... I quoted that too. I had that Billy Graham verse, 90% of worries, things we can't change. And I put underneath, I like those odds. Um, number six, 
Satan, a.k.a. the devil. I knew nothing of him except what I saw on TV or Halloween. It wasn't a horned guy in a red suit with a tail. This is all just fantasy. And it describes who in the Bible who Satan is. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, there is no great thing if his minister also transforms themselves also in ministers of righteousness, whose end will their according to their works. Another major lie, which I see it over and over again, I'm sure you have, Michael. Another major lie is showing that Satan is equal with God. I'm sure you've crossed the internet with Satan and Jesus in an arm wrestling match. What a big lie that is. It's so crazy. Satan was created by God as a cherubim, the most wonderful of God's angelic beings. Sometime after his creation and before his creation of mankind, Satan rebelled against God and took one-third of the angels with him into the rebellion. Even the church doesn't know the truth. They think Satan has no real power or even thinks he's real. There's a there's a uh, a video. It's it's one of the videos I latched onto. I'm sure I have another. I'm sure it's linked to here. But uh, what's his name? Uh, which you know you shouldn't listen to a lot of him because he thinks one save all he saved, which is Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley has a lot of detail of this. Actually, percentages of how many people in a church believes that Satan doesn't even exist, which is utterly ridiculous. So it brings me to the one we've always talked about over and over again, and that is the full gospel, which is, which is preached and pra- Jesus preached and practiced. All that was in the past, right? It shouldn't be in the church. Well, it ended with the apostles. No, I need to update that and put all the information I've been studying about this. And of course, I have the the idea of uh, Jesus's ministry was preaching and teaching, healing, miracles, and casting out demons. It's, it's, it's crazy because it's, it's all there. As you, Jesus said, as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely given. This is a commandment couldn't be more fitting for today. Today, the church doesn't even believe in these works. Yes, they preach and teach the word, but the power of that word is not even there. Oh, that just is so awesome. <laughs> Healing, miracles, and deliverance cannot exist in churches because they're not allowed. I guess... That's what happened when you take prayer out of schools and compromise of the church. The churches have lost their discernment. That is that if they even had it to begin with. They need they need the tithing money flowing so they don't even talk about sin or hell. <laughs> Full churches equal money. Now the churches are expecting to sodomy and having their sodomites as pastors. Wow, that that was even before all the stuff has been going on. 
the bottom of the line is the word of God has been changed. Stay in the KJV Bible. The denominations caused division in the churches and brought different doctrines and traditions. This is so amazing. We've been talking about this. The early churches and apostles were, were small house churches where everyone spoke the word of God in fellowship. That is why the thriving churches in countries like China, a.k.a. the persecuted church, we must keep them in prayer. Oh, I keep going. You want me to keep going? Sure. Pretty cool. Number eight. This this one I'm going to go a little slow on because obviously, you know, people, you bring up the Jewish people, people have a hard time with that. But I'm going to go with number eight. Jews are God's chosen people. Maybe it's hard for some to believe, to hear, but the Jewish people are full. Modern Judaism is riddled in the Kabbalah. And you could hear it out of their own mouth. And I have two links to two major Jewish pages, and one of them is Judaism 101, which is a big one, and Chabada.org. These are two ones that Ladia always went through to get some stuff about, uh, uh, like the Passover and stuff. And, of course, the link right below is called Kabbalah Exposed. And, of course, it's from uh, JesusIsOurSavior.com. They're a wonderful website. The Jewish people need Jesus like everyone else. Do your own research. Number nine, the Star of David. The Star of David has nothing to do with David. Um, And it's actually in the Bible. I don't know if you ever stumbled across this, but listen to this. This is in Acts 7, verse 43. You also took up the tabernacle of Molech and the star of your God, Raphaim, images which also made to worship, and I I will carry you always beyond Babylon. That stunned me when I first found that out. Um, There's a link to this video. It's called Star of David is Pagan. Uh, And of course, when you when you look at it, I put this together and I actually made a video. And I, I guess it ain't on here. Or maybe it is on here. That is my video. And I labeled it as a below as above, so below. I don't know if you ever seen it, Michael, but there's a, a version of uh the Star of David and it overlaps. It not overlaps, but it doesn't touch. There's two different versions. So if you take a triangle as below and as above, two different triangles, and you merge them together, you get the Star of David. I actually created a video and I put it on here. It's really neat. Um, and of course, I have some pictures to look at. The star, the the tarot card, the magician, has the, holding the hands of as below and has below above the elements of the Kabbalah, and it details everything of it. And it's really interesting because if you look at the Star of David, it has six points to it. The hexagram has six points too, and there's there's another one. There's a six triangles, and of course that adds to what six six six. Uh, number ten, uh, tithing, and that's where I was afraid to get into it, but I'll get into it in a little. That we need to give ch- uh, money to the church a tenth. Give a tenth of your money. D- 
this is a warning. This is uh, that's why I put it there. This is my personal feeling as I see the word. My family gives to people in need. Obviously, we talked about a while back about love offerings. God doesn't need your money. This is how the churches are getting bigger and bigger by shaking down the congregations. And I have a cool picture. It's, it's you see a big giant hand, and it's got a holding a person upside down, and it's shaking, and money's falling. <laughs> the pastor. The pastor gets rich while the congregation stay poor. Say hi, Smiley Joe. <laughs> oh, that's funny stuff. So, how, so do they get to do that? They preach the gospel where sin and hell is not spoken. They use terms like give your seed, which is, has nothing to do with money. The seed is the word. In the Bible, we are told to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering and teaching. So give your time and your money. Number 11, this is the one we've had conversations about multiple times, is hell. It's a real place. Did you know that Jesus talked about hell more than he did about heaven? And and if we don't receive Jesus, we will go there. Jesus gave this warning. This is in Luke twelve five. My friends, do not be afraid of those who will kill the body, and after they will have no more that they can do. But I will show you, you whom who you fear. I'm kind of like. The computer's a little distance from me. I had to plug in my phone. Fear him who, after he has killed the body, has the power to cast it into hell. Yes, and I said to you, fear him. And I have the story below. We don't need to go in that about the rich man of Lazarus. And obviously that's the biggest example of uh, us being separated in, in hell. If you do not Let's see. If you're not with the Lord, you are against him. This means you are going to hell. I can't sugarcoat the truth. Number 12. Now, this is the last one. Holidays. Being unsaved, I celebrated every holiday. Even when I received Jesus, I had to learn some hard lessons about the holidays. And, of course, it's got links to all all the, my pages and the last thing it says well there's obviously the one more which is the most important part but true biblical Christianity is an, ama- is an amazing journey as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow number 13 there's many ways to God no, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no one comes through the Father except through me. And, of course, obviously, I got some other links with uh, the, the Godhead and the blood on the mercy seat. Uh, I have to say, Michael, that was really an honor to go through this with you because as I'm reading it, it just it it makes me smile because... I know that reading it, 
you know, that's not me that put that there. It was it was the help of the Holy Spirit, and obviously this is the key to our whole conversation is the idea of we must have the Holy Spirit. That is wonderful. Amen. Well, amen, brother. Well, I say we, we call a wrap, um, if that's all right with you. Uh, we're doing it for a couple hours. Yeah, that's uh, fine. That was good stuff. No, I'm, yeah, I'm if you glad, check out check out, check out, uh, check out Ethan's uh, YouTube channel uh, and uh, his uh, website, uh, FindingPeaceWithJesus.org, and then Finding Peace with Jesus. And uh, yeah, man, it's been good. Nice conversation, and uh, you know, I appreciate it. So I just search really. Well, I'm the one appreciate it. It's like we're we have this whole conversation, and one of the things that's wrapped around our conversation is us having fellowship, and that's the most important part. Is you know, everybody finds fellow people that think like-minded, and that's the most important thing too. Because once you have these two or three witnesses gathered together, God is in the midst. And he will work. Praise God. Amen. Amen. I say we close it out in prayer. And I guess I'll start and then I'll let you end it. Dear Heavenly Father, Almighty God, the true and living God, the only God that ever was and ever will be. Oh, God Almighty. Lord God, I say thank you. Thank you for giving us your only begotten who came in the flesh paid for our sins and rose from the dead is on the right-hand side with you right now, God. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the light of the world. Thank you for hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask you that you please bless this recording that will go out to the person or people who need to hear it the most and are receptive to the truth. God, uh, God, help us. Help us have a meaningful and real relationship with you and for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. God, thank you for everything, this whole, everything that you've given us. The hope, the faith in you and your word. God, be our protection, be our hedge. Please bless Ethan and his loved ones and protect them. Protect them from the evil one. And his many minions bind all evil spirits, uh, demonic entities, and we send them straight to where they belong, God. Protect us with your mighty angels, God. Send them down with their fire swords. Protect your people. Protect his home. Protect Ethan's home. Protect the homes of those who will hear this, God. And God, help us to uh, just grow in strength and faith and in truth knowledge of who you are, God. Help us to love you the way we're supposed to. Help us to have that real relationship that we're meant to have. All praise and glory to you, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Well, we're very grateful for this fellowship and this time, and, you know, we we came with our our little pennies, and you gave us a million dollars. I'm just amazed how you do that every time. I I didn't think I really had much to say tonight, and next thing you know, you just pour out this blessing to us both. We're very grateful. I pray that you continue to bless Michael and 
be with his family. I pray that you work on his family. Obviously, you're getting very close, Lord, to call his mother home, and I pray that you you fit her you you fit her with her bridal gown and she's ready to go and she'll be pleasing to you when you see her and we're very grateful for that Lord. Uh, we're very grateful for everything you do. We give all things to your glory, Lord, and not of us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Oh 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, oh.